Good morning. It's Friday, February 5th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shemita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Just after 5.30 this morning, Vice President Kamala Harris cast her first tie-breaking vote to pass the Senate's budget resolution. It came after a marathon session of back-to-back votes. And even though Democrats did exactly what they said they would do, pass a budget resolution without Republican support, there were some notable signs of bipartisan agreement. This paves the way for President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package to clear Congress. There were dozens of amendments to the resolution, and each one was deliberated in this voterama. Now, The Washington Post explains the decisions on these amendments are non-binding. The final bill has not been written yet. The point is to give instructions to the Senate's committees on how to craft the eventual budget. Historically, the opposition party uses these all-nighters to force the other side to go on the record with a yes or no vote for issues that might make headlines. We saw some of this last night as Democrats shot down several Republican efforts. One involved blocking funding for schools that refused to reopen after teachers were vaccinated. Others had nothing to do with the budget, like an amendment that sought to mandate local police cooperate with federal law enforcement. But there were some moments of bipartisan support. Targeted checks were one of the things on that list. A resolution to make sure stimulus checks wouldn't end up going to high-income taxpayers passed 99 to 1. Republican Senator Todd Young of Indiana proposed an amendment to prevent stimulus money from going to immigrants who are living in the country illegally. That one passed when eight Democrats voted with all Republican members. And both parties agreed on putting a pin in raising the minimum wage immediately. When it was over, senators were relieved to finally call it a night. Right before it passed, Senator Amy Klobuchar tweeted, Looking forward to seeing the sunrise. And as for the bill, next step, the House. The Washington Post says, This budget resolution is expected to pass immediately. Writing the actual bill, however, that will take weeks. Democrats, meanwhile, are hoping to keep together their razor-thin coalition long enough for its passage sometime in mid-March. House Democrats voted to strip Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments. The Georgia Republican was on the House Education and Budget Panels. This move could trigger a new kind of partisan warfare. Republicans are already promising to retaliate the next time they're in the majority. Yeah, this comes after a series of comments and actions surfaced from Green's past. She liked a social media post calling for the assassination of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She blamed a California fire on space lasers backed by Jewish bankers. She said school shootings were staged. Green was also one of the most vocal advocates of false claims of election fraud by former President Trump. And she had previously promoted QAnon. Green is now publicly rejecting some of her past views. A day before the vote, she spoke about her past on the House floor. As Politico put it, what she said fell short of an apology, and it certainly wasn't enough to sway Democrats. Here's Speaker Pelosi. I remain profoundly concerned about House Republicans' leadership acceptance of extreme conspiracy theorists, particularly disturbing their eagerness to reward a QAnon adherent, a 9-11 truther, a harasser of child 
survivors of school shootings and a value to give them valued committee positions. The way the Republican Party chooses to react now will tell us a lot about where it's heading in the future. As Politico explains, and we've talked about this on the show, some people in the party, like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, want to distance the GOP from being associated with fringe views and conspiracy theories. But many House Republicans worry about angering Trump's base. Remember, nearly all of them opposed impeaching Trump on charges of inciting the Capitol insurrection. Only 11 Republicans joined Democrats in yesterday's vote against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Some Democrats, meanwhile, want Greene to face even more severe consequences, including censure or expulsion from Congress. But the L.A. Times editorial board published a warning for Democrats saying punishing Greene may end up helping her more than hurting her. She's already turned recent criticisms into a huge fundraising effort. Green, the board argues, is the Republicans' problem to solve. That the main damage she's doing is to the GOP. And as the paper puts it, Democrats should just stay out of it. If you are pregnant right now, you may be struggling to decide whether to get the COVID-19 vaccine when it becomes available to you. We know that pregnant people who get COVID-19 are at greater risk for serious disease and pregnancy complications, like preterm birth. But pregnant people were not part of late-stage clinical trials. They're being left to assess for themselves what are your risks and how should you manage them. Vox lays out all the pros and cons here. First, you should know that a lot of medical groups like the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology are saying the vaccine should be offered to pregnant women. The American Society for Reproductive Medicine is going so far as to recommend it. These groups say there are a few reasons to be confident that the vaccine is safe. One, because it uses mRNA technology. There is no live virus in this vaccine. And mRNA doesn't appear likely to reach a baby either in the womb or through breast milk. And two, early studies done on pregnant animals revealed no harmful effects. Dr. Anthony Fauci said that of more than 10,000 pregnant women who've been vaccinated, there have so far been no red flags. But we still don't have definitive data on vaccination and pregnancy. USA Today spoke with some doctors and experts who say the best way to decide is to assess your risk with your doctor. If you're a healthcare worker or a frontline worker, if you come into contact with lots of people every day, it might be the right decision for you to get vaccinated. But if you're not in a high-risk category, the experts say it might be okay to hold off until there's more data. And that should be coming soon. All of the pregnant people who have already gotten the vaccine and others who went through the clinical trials and got pregnant afterward, researchers will be tracking them. And that should lead to more precise guidance in the near future. When Russia said its COVID-19 vaccine, called Sputnik V, was highly effective, the international community was skeptical. After all, the Kremlin has been credibly accused of doping its Olympic athletes and poisoning its enemies. So the New Yorker's Joshua Yaffa did some digging. And as he explains, from the beginning, politics and Russia's propaganda machine tainted this process. Before early data was published and before phase three trials had even started, President Vladimir Putin was claiming success. When data finally was released, some scientists questioned what they saw as irregularities. 
There were times when it seemed like Russia was treating the vaccine like some kind of arms race. Every time Pfizer or Moderna would announce a new finding, Russia would roll out its own good news within days. And then there's the name itself, Sputnik. A reference, of course, to the Cold War space race with the West. It's got some real me-first vibes. Yaffa interviewed quite a few experts, and the general sense was Russia's PR around the vaccine was problematic. Yet, at the end of the day, more and more scientists are coming to believe Russia's vaccine appears to work. And the biggest endorsement is coming from abroad. More than 50 countries have pre-ordered Sputnik V. It's cheaper than the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and it's also easier to distribute because it doesn't need to be kept super cold. The vaccine may be a huge diplomatic win for Russia. Countries that might have turned to the West for help with COVID may end up owing Moscow a favor. Super Bowl 55 is on Sunday. And here's an interesting COVID twist. Because of the pandemic, it might actually be one of the best at-home viewing experiences ever. This story comes from Adweek, which is reporting this weekend's game is a dream scenario for camera crews. You see, because of COVID, the stands are not going to be as packed with fans as they normally are. There's going to be a little bit more than 20,000 fans. So about two-thirds of the stadium will be empty. CBS, which is broadcasting the game, will have 120 cameras. And without all the usual people in the stands, they'll be able to get angles that are normally impossible. They'll also be debuting what they're calling the trolley cam. It's this giant camera setup that's rigged to these wires, sort of like a cable car. So it can zip line around from one end of the stadium to the other. And the idea here is that it should give people who are watching from home the experience of watching the game from the best seats in the house. And even if you're not a football fan and just there for those wonderful, kooky, funny and memorable multi-million dollar commercials, <laughs> take a good look at the view of the game. We may never be able to watch a Super Bowl like this again. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're there, check out some of our audio stories. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs>